have a seat. Welcome to Church Project. Uh, if you're a first-time guest here, we're glad that you are here. We have Bibles on the right and on the left on those lamps, and so feel free to go get one of those. That's our gift to you if you, if you do not own a Bible, or you can just raise your hand and, and someone will bring it over to you. Uh, but look around. There's, there are people here that love you. Uh, so I hope in this place this morning you don't feel alone. Uh, that you feel a part of, of something that's bigger than yourself. There's great people here that are running after God. And so I, uh, I, I, I want to introduce you to somebody uh, that is, is near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's Grandpa. Uh, our trip, our team just got back from Haiti this last week, and I've learned something about me. And so you're welcome, because I've, I've learned this. Other people have paid the price for previous lessons. And this is the previous lesson. You don't want me to go to Haiti this week and then come back and give the message this weekend. Like it would be passionate, <laughs> maybe a little too passionate. <laughs> and so last week, um, Jason Shelton, one of our elders, did an incredible job uh, last week walking through what I believe is one of the most difficult passages in the Bible to walk through as we've been going through the sayings of Jesus on the cross. And last week, Jason uh, talked about, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And did an incredible job with that, with that passage. Thank you very much. It's on the podcast if, if you want to go and listen to that. And this week, Grandpa is going to come up and give us the message. Now, here's, here's kind of how I want to illustrate this. If you, if you know Grandpa, you love Grandpa because he gives you candy <laughs> every week. But here's a great illustration, church. Is as we were in Haiti, we saw the, the church at large. Um, we saw the church moving. Emily and Nick just got back from a world tour of watching, the, watching God move in, in, in different parts of the world. Like if you've been around the world, you've seen God moving in different ways. And the church is big. It's moving. God is powerful. But you know what stories are the best stories to hear? The stories that the people themselves encountered, their personal stories. When you're not talking about things that are out here, but you're talking about things that are right here, things that impacted your own life. So here's an example. If you lived through the Dust Bowl, you're going to be able to tell people about that experience more than if they just read it in a book. I mean, you, would, you would see it in their eyes. You would, you would see it. If, they, if you lived through the depression, if you lived through these things, you would see it in their eyes. They would have passion about what it is that they've experienced, what their life has been through, more than if we were just to read it in the books. Well, Grandpa has been a pastor for many, many years. He's given 20 billion messages. I may have exaggerated a little, Grandpa. He's given a lot of messages. We're going to have a, first, uh, a first-hand encounter of a heart that loves God. So I'm going to invite Grandpa to come on up here and, and do your thing, buddy. You have fun, okay? We'll put this fancy mic on you. I think I'm wired for sound. (laughs) Gee, what a group of saints, huh? I didn't realize the church had grown so much. (laughs) That's what you get for sitting on the front row. 
Well, most of you know that for the last couple of years, more or less, we've been going through the book of Luke. But with uh, resurrection coming up here uh, shortly, it seemed like a good time to focus on the cross. And so what we're going to be doing today is uh, try try to get a picture in our minds of what was going on in Jesus' mind as he hung on that cross. And then we're going to talk about one of the seven different sayings that he gave while he was there on the cross. I don't know. You know, we have five sons. I don't think I could ever ask one of them to do what God asked his son to do. But he did. And you know what that does? If I ever doubted that God loves me, I can't do it anymore. Anybody that would make that kind of sacrifice for me has to love me. Well, like I say, normally we go through the book of Luke, but today we want to change our focus just a little bit. And uh, we want to talk about the seventh, the seven statements that made that Jesus made when he was hanging there on that cross. Now I'm just going to give them to you real quickly here. Uh, the first three, while Jesus was hanging on the cross, he actually was thinking of other people too. You know, those that were crucifying, you know what he said? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Could you do that? And then he turned to the thief on the cross who had come to recognize him as the Messiah. And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And then he turned to his favorite disciple, I guess, John. And he was concerned about who was going to take care of his mother. But he said, here is your son. And to John, here is your mother. And then he began to focus on what was going on within his own self. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can you imagine what it would be like to lose all fellowship and contact with your creator? And then he said, I'm thirsty. And then his next word was, it is finished. And finally, he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, what I'm going to be focusing on today is uh, that next to the last one there, it is finished. Just what is it that was finished? Now, I I look at the Old Testament, and sometimes uh, I see things there that you might not see and vice versa. But I look at the Old Testament and I see a chain that is just weaving a message that is keep going forward until it finally finds its fulfillment in the cross. That's what I see in the Old Testament. Now that isn't all that's there, but that's one thing that seems to be outstanding. Everything 
that became the basis of the faith expressed under the old covenant was something's coming. And they were recognized for believing that in reality something was coming or someone was coming. And that was the basis of their hope. Well, Jesus had been on the cross for about six hours. Can you imagine what it's like to hang on a cross? They lay you down on a cross, they drive nails in your hand and nails in your feet, and then they lift it up and drop it into a hole, and it just seems like it's going to tear your hands completely off. But he was there voluntarily. He didn't have to go there. In fact, uh, even though he was in full control of the situation, he could have called 10,000 angels to come down and relieve him. But he didn't because God wanted to accomplish something. He wanted to deal with this problem of sin. And the only way he could deal with it was to find someone who had no sin of their own that would pray the price of death so that those who believed in him could have the benefit of the cross and they could have forgiveness. He was really obeying his father's will. He was fulfilling prophecy because this had been prophesied from olden days. Now, I want you to remember that Jesus had a human body just like ours when he was here on earth. Okay? He said, I'm thirsty. We get thirsty, don't we? He had just emerged from three hours of complete darkness. And though he was sinless, he voluntarily took on himself the sins of the entire world. Is it fair to say he experienced hell? I think it is. And if it is, what's hell like? Thirst? Darkness? Isolation from God? Can you imagine being in a situation like that? Well, my warning is don't plan on it. It won't won't work out good for you. But anyway, maybe this would be a good time to answer a question that comes up quite often. Why is it that the different people that are here in this room today can read a passage of Scripture and get many different interpretations from it? Why don't we all understand the Bible just exactly alike? Well, God planned it that way for one thing. In fact, do you know that you can take what I'm going to be telling you today and you can say, I don't see it that way. That's okay. But the reason people don't see the Bible the same is because we don't all have the same amount of understanding, of knowledge of the Word of God. But what we do... We take what knowledge of God's word we have and we study it and we draw our conclusions from it 
and then we build on that what it is that we come to understand from the Word. Well, today I want to focus on those words, it is finished. It is finished. Now, if you go back to the original language, um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that Greek word, but, uh, but it says, it is finished, it stands finished, and it always will be finished. And what this is telling me is that there is the once for all and only provision that God has made whereby mankind can be reconciled and at peace with their creator. There's only one way. That's it. Nothing else is coming. Take it or leave it. In Acts 4.12, it says, Salvation is find, found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And Jesus himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. There's only one way. You don't need to look for any other. Because this one works. And it's all there is. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, our sin debt is paid in full. You see, before we came to Christ, we were known as sinners. We didn't have any fellowship with our Creator. He couldn't even look upon us. But once we realized that Jesus Christ, who had a perfect life, had actually reached out and gathered all of the sins of the world and took upon himself and went to the cross and died paying in full, the penalty for the sins that we committed. Now, how grateful can we be for what he has done? All of the blood sacrifices of the Old Testament, all they could do is cover the sins. Couldn't remove them. They were still there. They were waiting for something to come along, or someone, I should say, to come along that could just completely blot them out. There was an evangelist by the name of Alexander Wooten was asked one day by a young man, what must I do to be saved? And Wooten says, it's too late. And he said, it's too late for me to be saved? You mean there's nothing I can do? And Wooten says, it's too late. It's already been done. It's already been done. The only thing you can do is believe it and build your life around it. It's popular in many liberal circles today to say, Jesus is just one of the ways to heaven. 
That's a lie from the pits of hell. There's only one way. God said Jesus is the only way. Jesus said, I am the only way. And when you and I come to be reconciled to God, we're saying Jesus is the only way. But the door of Jesus will remain open until death closes it for us. It's open today. It's open for you and I to receive. Where's the, what's the problem? The problem is, in Romans 3.23, it says, All of sin that comes short of the glory of God. And in Romans 6.23, it says, And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I am so grateful that God had that kind of gift to give to us. So grateful that he did. But the door is open and will remain open until death closes it. All of sin that comes short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord, it doesn't mean that we may not slip once in a while and fall back into the old life and sin. But you know what God provided even for that? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We don't have to walk around rejected anymore. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only way. And uh, I think you're going to be singing about that in just a moment, aren't you? But it's finished. There's nothing else coming. If you want to be reconciled to your creator, that's the only way it can happen through your faith in Jesus Christ. So, I just wanted to share that with you this morning and tell you that you can live a life that is filled with hope when you put your faith in what Jesus accomplished on the cross and in his resurrection. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that you saw our needs even before we did. And you knew that um, sometimes we fail to live up to even what we expect of ourselves, let alone what you hope for us. But Father, you've made a provision for everything that we have to deal with in this life. You took our sins and laid it upon your son and he took them to the cross and died for them. They buried him, and he was raised again from the dead. And when we put our faith in him, then we know that even when we fall into sin again, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So thank you, Father, for your marvelous grace. May we learn to live by it. May we learn to walk in it. May we learn to praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.